You're listening to Radio Ed, a University of Denver podcast. I'm Lauren Fultonberg, and the co-host you may hear mewing in the background of this mini-sode, that's my cat, Chef, because we're still producing this podcast from our remote studios via Zoom. As we're all cooped up during the pandemic, so many of us have been seeking new ways to express ourselves and find connection with the world around us. That's why Bobby Lefebvre's creative work seems even more important. He's the Colorado Poet Laureate, or as he puts it, the state's poetic voice, charged with promoting and celebrating the art form in the community through panels, workshops, and readings. We asked him about the importance of the arts during tough times and advice for aspiring poets. But we started by asking the DU alum how it felt to be named the youngest poet laureate in state history and Colorado's first poet laureate of color. You know, it was, uh, it's an amazing honor. You know, obviously it's uh, such a, a beautiful thing. This position has been around for over a hundred years. And, um, you know, when I was, when I was named, I was of course, uh, you know, very happy. I felt very, I felt a lot of gratitude. And at the same time, I, there was some conflict there because uh, I know that I am not the first young person or the first person of color qualified to occupy this seat. And it really got me thinking about where this position in arts and culture in general fits into the general structure of the world that we live in, right? And so how do these systems that create conditions uh, you know, snowball into things that are um, big like this, you know, and, and so uh, it was great. And, and I think it's, it's honest of me to have those conversations, especially with the approach that I'm taking in bringing, you know, not only my voice, but voices of my community and communities that I'm an ally to, to ensure that those voices are uplifted, celebrated, and amplified in a way that they may have not been in years past. State Poet Laureate is a very publicly facing role, though. Um, I'm curious, under the stay-at-home order, what's it been like to be doing a public job in private, essentially? Yeah, you know, it took a minute to figure out how it was going to work. You know, it took a minute to figure out and accept the fact that this was going to be the, the sort of you know, quote unquote, new normal for a while. And so it happened at a terrible time because, uh, you know, April, as you may know, is National Poetry Month. And so I had um, dozens of uh, appearances, performances, readings, conversations scheduled that we had to either cancel, postpone, reimagine, or turn virtual. So uh, we did a lot of Zoom readings, you know, uh, we, we use technology and what's available to us to connect. And I think that those early conversations about the, dis- uh, the difference between social distancing and physical distancing was an interesting conversation because although we are sort of, you know, forced to be physically distant, how can we maintain that um, social proximity and, and in connection to people? You know, artists, creatives, we find a way around things. We will make art in every circumstance. And in a lot of ways, these things sort of um, amplify us, ramp us up and light a fire under us to uh, create even more. Has this influenced your work at all? Yeah, absolutely. I have, you know, um, definitely written about this this you know issue that's happening to all of us trying to make sense of it trying to you know i don't know 
even just sort of contextualize my own feelings around it. Uh, and again, always thinking about who's being impacted most, who's not, why is that? And um, that has led to, you know, a lot of contemplative work. So I think that we are, we're finding ways to create and we're finding ways to address this. And, uh, you know, poetry is definitely one way that we do that. And I think people go to poetry in times of, you know, confusion, strife, because it is able to translate some of those messages in ways that are, um, I don't know, easier or more emotionally available to uh, consume. So it's been it's been good. How have you viewed the role of poetry and the role of the arts during times of crisis? I think that, you know, art and and the way that we perform this uh, sort of identity in a lot of ways is uh, really the cornerstone of our culture. You know, we go back and we look at ancient civilizations, we look at their literature, we look at their art, we look at, you know, what they left behind. And uh, again, it's really a way for us to, to translate um, our existence in these ways and no better way than now to, you know, employ those um, aesthetics and, and uh, ways to help tell the story. Because I think that ultimately, 20 years from now, when we come back to these moments, art will be at the forefront of our conversations. It'll be the, the theater that comes up. It'll be, you know, the poems we made, the visual art that, you know, uh, muralists created. It'll be the dances and the, uh, the songs that uh, we will go back to to remind us of what our existence was at that time. And I think that, you know, now we're trying to find a way to continue that in this new way that we're going to be forced to live. And it'll be very interesting to see how we adapt to new circumstances. On a more micro level, something that I've noticed during this pandemic is people returning to hobbies or passions that they left behind, or maybe they're getting into something new. Um, my mom, for example, has always wanted to write poetry and mm. enrolled in a Zoom poetry class. Wow. And I was wondering what you thought for people who are getting started in writing poetry or even just starting to read it and understand it. Any advice? Yeah, you know what? I think that um, I think that for, for for far too long and for for you know for far too many people, I feel like poetry is this sort of thing that people feel is beyond their reach or comprehension. Uh, and I feel like that has largely been due to the the connotation that we've given to it. Right? It's it's existing sort of weird, highbrow um, sort of uh, you know thing and and it doesn't really have to be that again i think the primary purpose of of poetry of good poetry i feel is is communication and if you're not communicating with folks if poetry isn't connecting then it's really not doing anything besides you know serving as a a stroke to the ego and i think that's not what poets really intend to do so the more that people find themselves into it um you know starting to read it uh, figuring out you know what types of styles and writers that they like, what type of voice they like to hear, what topics really resonate with them. Uh, there's a connection that they make. And I think that that then, uh, that connection really uh, sparks in some people the desire to begin to express their own feelings and, and to write their own. So I think it's great. I think it's great that people are picking up new hobbies and reading and connecting with poetry in new ways. Not only do you write poetry, but you also are an actor and you perform. 
What's the difference between writing a poem and performing a poem? I think the difference between, you know, writing uh, poetry is a very solitary act, right? I think that the, um, I think James Baldwin talked about the writer's curse, you know, and that we, we, we're alone so much um, pretending that we don't need anyone, but ultimately like if there's no audience, if there's no listener, if there's no reader, what are we doing? And, and so the, 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 the process of writing is very personal. It's very solitary. Um, but the performance, the reading of it is the opposite. It's, it's that, um, bridge, you know, the performance of the poem, the reading of the poem is the bridge between that solitary and that communal aspect that has always occupied the space of poetry. In a modern context, we're getting more to a performative nature of poetry. You know, performance poetry is, um, has been for the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years, really been taking off. Uh, there are things like slam poetry that, you know, young people gravitate toward. And it's really this marriage of writing and performance as well as community building. There's definitely a connection between the, the solitary aspect of writing it and creating it in that personalized, um, vision turning into, you know, a collective experience. We asked you to bring one of your poems that you wrote during the, the coronavirus pandemic today to perform for us. Um, and I'd love for you to read it in a moment. But first, I was wondering what you'd want people to take away from the poem that you've brought. And what was your experience like writing it? You know, it was, um, it was very, it happened very fast. Sometimes poetry is something you sit on. Sometimes a poem takes, you know, days, weeks, months, years to finish. Other times they just are what they are. And I think that sometimes the most passionate uh, poetry I've ever written is stuff that I really don't give a whole lot of editing to. And I just let it come out. And I, this is um, a list poem of sorts. So it was sort of, you know, very stream of consciousness. And uh, I didn't even go back and fix anything. I didn't go back and, you know, try to change anything because this is what came out when I was thinking about those things that I had just kind of talked to you about, you know, who I was thinking about, why I was thinking about them. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned necessarily about, you know, writing the best poem that's going to get published in the most prestigious journal. That's never been my approach. I, I, I don't, I don't write to be published. I don't write to, um, exercise, you know, and flex all of the, you know, things that I know about form or technique or really, I, I want to connect with people and I want to tell the most genuine stories and um, show, you know, folks a little piece of the way I think and feel. And that's, that's really what I, I focus on. The poem that I'm going to read is, um, is I wrote a, around workers, you know, as we watched this conversation, that's almost become cliche around what's essential and what's not. Um, that word is such an umbrella term. It's such a spectrum, right, of what who has been deemed um, essential. And at the end of the day, there are people who are caring for us. There are people who are serving us. There are people who don't have the luxury to work from home. There are people who are still taking, you know, the bus to get places. And all of these places and spaces that they're occupying um, have a revolving door of people and they're at higher risk for things. And there's no better time for empathy. You know, there's no better time for us to 
take care of ourselves, but also look at the collective and, and what does this mean for us all and how can we all not only imagine or reimagine a new future together, but how can we start to make tangible steps toward real change and, and, and a future that is more um, inclusive and kind to everyone. And uh, you know, a lot of my work explores that. Who are we missing? Who's not at the table? How do we get them there? Or do we need to just completely destroy this table and build a new one? So um, in this short poem, that's sort of what I was thinking about. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. And together we watched it happen. Watched the stars come out at night. There, right before our eyes, a grand reveal. And the stars, the people, they did what they always do. They got up, they packed their lunch, they clocked in, they delivered their bodies, they took orders, they worked. They didn't complain, they were grateful. They smiled, they cashed their checks, they paid their bills, they were broke again. They prayed, they stretched, they made miracles, they raised children, they dreamed in grocery stores and fields and janitor's closets and restaurants and shelters and classrooms and factories and banks and offices and warehouses, buses, trucks, trains, some in emergency rooms and in clinics and morgues and mortuaries they worked because rent because food because bills because insurance because integrity because heart because someone has to make the money for those at the top who don't really make it themselves that was bobby lefebri colorado poet laureate to read more of bobby's work and watch some of his spoken word performances head to du.edu slash radio ed Alyssa Hurst is our executive producer and mixed our sound. James Swearingen arranged our theme. Tamara Chapman is our managing editor. I'm Lauren Fultenberg. Ah! That's Chef. And this is Radio Ed.